Hello, young lady. Good morning. I made us coffee. Got mine right here. Cheers. Nice Cheers. How are you? I'm great. And yourself? I'm great. Thanks for doing this, David. Oh, anytime. You can you can have me on even as like a part-time guest for you. I mean, if you have someone else, you want me to like razz or yeah, or for real? You'll do that. Yeah, okay, you're absolutely. mine. You're mine. Thank you. Thank you. If, if if you want it for sure. I mean, if you can tolerate me, you know. Um, I can because you can, I see you as a mentor type of person for me anyway because I I thrive being around people like you and there aren't too many David Levies around. Well, I, I feel the same way about you. I don't know you that well yet, but I kind of get the same vibe from you that um, you're just straightforward, kind of no BS. Let's just, you know, talk and that's it. So I, I like that. That's uh, that for me is like the perfect world. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, let's have coffee together. And uh, you know, I wish it was a little later because I would have scotch, but that's that's a well, another- you know, I didn't want you to judge me too poorly but since you mentioned it let me uh let me see if i can do this while we're we're on here um uh, did you invest in a scotch company oh no 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 let me see here uh it's 12 o'clock somewhere yeah well here i'll i'll see if i can if i can do this oh here we go all right um nice (laughs) holy shit well and that's just part of it (laughs) that's why that's why I blur it. <laughs> God, that is so cool. All yeah. right. <laughs> I might have to, you might have to invite me for a couple of days during the summer to come and hang out with you. Yeah, no have shit. <laughs> uh, no shit. I'll do it in the winter too. It's no problem. I have no problem. Oh, We're well, winters in Illinois. So. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Eh, so how would you like to start? Where would you like to start? We've already started. And I haven't even introduced you, but all of that's going to come together. So let's let's just rock it out. Uh, you had told me a little bit about yourself. You were a cop, and then in Crazy Eddie's or Crazy, crazy Dave's. Days. <laughs> crazy crazy Dave's. Dave's. Yeah. yeah. I remember with Crazy Eddie's and uh, with liquidations, and then you went to private equity. I mean, it's just kind of. It actually, I, I before I even got into private equity, um, I was doing liquidations for the banks, right? Um, and then I got into the pet space, but dealing with private equity um, on the liquidation space, everything from international companies, you know, like GE Finance, Bank of America, uh, US Bank, um, you know, some of the big major banks, and even some of them that aren't around today. I was doing uh, liquidations and um, got into the receivership world before the crash in 2008, the real estate crash. Um, and then the pet industry, really introduced me to VC. So what was it around that time that that the pet industry became uh, became an important part of your life? Was it the timing? Was it the crash? Or was it multiple things kind of all layered um, together? Wow. You know, I got into the pet space in 96. Um, so it was it was way before the crash, but or before the 2008 crash. Um, it was actually just a total haphazard accident that a buddy of mine was up in Canada for a um, dog uh, police canine training and he brought back a bag of dog food um, that to me when Zeus was a puppy and I was cooking food for him that was my dog Zeus and I named 
mm-hmm. my distribution company, Zeus and Company, after him and my other my other two little dogs. And um, when that bag of food came to me and there was fresh fruits and vegetables and all that stuff in there, I didn't see that anywhere. And I started looking at, you know, all the different pet stores. Hey, do you carry this product? Hey, do you carry this product? Like never heard of it. Never heard of it. Well, the the company was out of San Jose. It was called Natura Pet Products. Yep. And I started with that. And when he brought me back that bag of Anova, I said, huh, there might be something here. And I contacted the company and um, the young lady on the phone who I got to know, you know, later as I became a distributor, I, I, uh, asked her how does someone become a distributor and uh, she says well you have to buy a trailer load and I said who do I send the check to and that was really their way of just trying to weed out people who just wanted to buy a couple of bags right Mm -hmm. Uh, but it was a lot more difficult than that Uh, ended up meeting the national sales manager at a show in Chicago called HH Backer Um, Mm -hmm. took him around to my businesses showed him my businesses and uh, that night, and I showed him all the retail stores in Chicago. I figured I have nothing to lose. He's here. Might as well show him. If they don't go with me, I have nothing to lose, right? I'm not in that space anyway. End of the night, we're sitting there for dinner, and he puts his hand across the table, and he says, you don't know shit about the pet industry, but you know business. Let's do this. <laughs> and here I am 20-some-odd years later. Um, so that's how I started in the pet space. Interesting. I mean, is that a theme that you think should be carried forward with with entrepreneurs that are that want to get into the pet industry and learning business and it's not just about pet it's definitely it's definitely about business um yeah. you know i i use a quote that um that i think i even have on my linkedin page uh, you come into this world with your name and you leave with your name and um it's all what you do with it while you're here and um i'm a big fan of trying to you know you've got to be honest you've got to be transparent you have to know your weaknesses. You have to know your strengths. Um, lean on people if you're weak in certain areas. But um, what I find with a lot of entrepreneurs or people that want to get into the pet space specifically is they have a concept, they have an idea, um, but they have no idea how long it takes to get there. Um, they have no idea how much hard work it takes, how many failures they're going to have how many doors are going to close in their faces. Uh, When I started with those bags of Anova and uh, the sales manager from Natura said, yeah, I really want you to be, and and I think there were 33 pound bags back then. He said, you need to be at $39 a bag. And I looked in the industry back then and no one was anywhere near $39. And I kept getting grief from retailers. Oh, you're crazy. And, and, and everything. And I got a ton of pushback and I went back to him and I said, dude, People have said they can get it in Wisconsin cheaper than they can get it here. You go, stick with it, stick with it. I need someone to raise the price for us. And I did. And I was the highest priced in the country for a bag of Anova or any of the brands from Natura. Um, but I listened to someone who's in the space. I was not from the pet space. So my point back to your question is, I think you have to listen to those that uh, know. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to trust without verifying. Take a, take a line from Ronald Reagan, trust but verify. Um, but know where your weaknesses are and let people who have the experience and the ability to come in and help you listen to that. You you should listen to it. Uh, At the end of the day, if you're a founder, if you're a CEO, um, I think you have to make the final decision. Mm -hmm. You really need to listen to those who are there. And if they're a mentor, if they're an investor in your company, they have skin in the game. 
with founders and CEOs, people new to the pet industry who see it as profitable. I mean, you see how much, how well pet does, right? Mm -hmm. You want to get in. How much ego is involved and how much does that hurt their trajectory forward? Well, I, I, I have, I have a great quote. Don't work with assholes. <laughs> I mean, it's probably not mine. Um, oh, wait, ego doesn't necessarily mean you're an asshole. Ego can mean that you're just really not thinking about, you know, you think that, that your product is really amazing. And it could be, but, you know, your ego can get in the way. It, it, and, and I've seen that happen um, where, yes, ego can get in the way. Um, you can have people who come from a certain field who have created a product for the pet space or any, you know, even outside the pet space um, who just think they know what they know and they think they know everything. And that's a major mistake. So maybe that's ego. Um, kind of back to my earlier point of listen to the experts that you bring in around you. If they're experts in a space and they're there to help you, you should listen to a certain, you should listen. Um, I think you find a lot of founders, not a lot, some founders um, and the experiences that I've had where they're so high on themselves because they may have initials after their name uh, or before their name that they just don't want to listen to, you know, a grunt like myself who didn't finish college, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't finish college, right? I got into business. Um, and uh, a quote, and this is not my quote, uh, businesses are not about ideas alone. They're about execution of ideas, not just about what you are doing, but who you are doing it with. And those are all basically, I think that answers your question in a nutshell, in one sentence. Yeah, it definitely does. Is there, was there a project that you regret not investing in? Oh, <laughs> the list, the list, is, list yeah, no, the list is too long. The list is really? too long. And, um, and sometimes it's timing. Sometimes it's um, a lot of my investing is I usually get, uh, get involved as an advisor, uh, as, a, as a consultant. Some companies use different terms, but in my mind, they're somewhat interchangeable. And I have to look at my ability to give that company what they need. Um, and yes, there are many uh, that I wish I would have gotten involved with and I didn't, but you can't, you know, it's like someone who says, oh, I bought stocks and I've never lost money. Well, I, I can't invest in everything. I use my own money. So it's mm -hmm. not like I am going, um, you know, to banks or VCs or other things. So when I invest, it's my own money. So I have to, I have to calculate, you know, risk reward. Uh, I also look at, and I've made this mistake too, you know, transparency here, um, thinking I have found the right product, but then later find out the people are wrong people. Yeah. That, that's, but that's life, right? You can't, um, I think you've been there. I think you and I kind of touched on that a little bit before. And that goes for, for some of the, you know, consulting I do that are publicly traded companies as well, where you think they have the smartest people in the world and you're dealing with them and you're like, this is the smartest we can find for a publicly traded company, but that's life. You know, that, that takes me to uh, communication and the different age groups, I, I guess, Gen Z, Gen X, um, how people communicate it's really evolved to, for me, it's become uncomfortable communicating with certain age groups. And I have to 
I have to kind of slap myself and be like, okay, take a step back. They're not accustomed to having conversations. They're accustomed to texting and writing and really not um, providing that emotional connection. How do, you, how do you get a business to grow and develop as an entrepreneur, as a, as a, as a startup, as a founder, if you can't make those people connections? Um, I think it's an uphill battle. Um, I find, with the exception of the tech space, so yeah. I, oh, that's 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 a really tough spot for me. But okay, go ahead. So that that that's where I find that type of communication or lack of communication that becomes very irritable to me. In the tech space, it seems that's how they want to communicate. They want to commu communicate with as little as possible with a quick text that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, or they respond to part of a question or give you part of an answer. Um, I think, and then there's the other side of it, Taz. The other side of it is, are the highly educated where they will give you a 30 paragraph response to a single sentence question. And- Do you get your answer in that 30 paragraph response? No, because by the first sentence or two, you've lost me. I have no interest. It's like reading a deck. You know, you talk about, you know, this conversation. I, I get, and it's no exaggeration, probably five to seven to 10 companies a month that pitch things to me. And they don't understand that you should create a deck depending on who you are sending it to. I don't need the first 12 pages of your deck to tell me about the pet space. I come from the pet space. That to me tells me you are just regurgitating your deck to everybody and anybody inside and outside the pet space. That's annoying. Um, um, yeah. So I don't know. If, I don't know. And I, and, I, and I bring that up, you know, um, again, full transparency. I, I do. Um, I am on part of Purina's innovation committee, selection committee. So I see a lot of decks and I'm always amazed on how many of those people that submit their decks. I literally have to go through the first seven, 10 pages to tell me about how big the pet space is. And this is a presentation through Purina. Yes. Okay, so who has more who has more data about the pet space than you could possibly imagine, right? So in that deck, do they put in there what sets them apart from others? Oh no, usually that? that takes and 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 that's the other thing that I've always told people, especially companies that I get involved with. If you're putting a deck together, tell everyone what you're doing on the first page. That's all I want to know. Because I, I went through a deck the other day, they sent it to me, and I think I was on page 12 before I even understood what they were trying to tell me they did. Yeah. Um, I was annoyed. Um, but again, I don't think anyone's ever told them that, right? Well, is it that, or is it just that they're so full of themselves, or they don't value your time enough? Or maybe they're not really connected enough with their brand. There's so many layers. I mean, I can't simplify oh. what a person's thinking when they put their project and presentation together. But when, when there is advice for me to give to a brand, when they come to me, I'm like, just talk about what you're doing and what sets you apart. Black and white. Right. And then and get then, into everything else, right? Exactly. Um, you got to get them excited. You right. know, it's like, turn me on first before, yeah. Yeah, don't, there, don't tell me how boring you are. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch over here because um, there is a book that uh, 
that was recommended to me by someone in the military. Matter of fact, it is recommended for people in the military to read. And the book is called The Brief, Make a Bigger Impact by Saying Less. Um, There are, um, I think it's a required reading for people in upper management in the military, because when they go to, you can imagine how many meetings they have. Mm-hmm. They don't want to hear about, you know, in, you know, page 17, that they've got a problem with nuclear crisis in, in Russia. Let's use that as an example, because we had that going on this morning. Um, they want to know about it right up front. So I would recommend that book. Um, and I need to reread it myself. Um, I would recommend that book to a lot of people. Okay, well, that'll be on my audible list for when I run. There and then go. I stop and actually run into things because I get a light bulb. Right. Okay. Cool. Thanks for the, uh, I'm going to call you and tell you what I thought of it. Please. Um, make it brief. You're <laughs> preaching to the choir, David. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I want to, um, I want to talk about, this is, all right, don't, don't get upset with me. Okay. Okay. But I, I want to find out why you would invest in something like a Zen Clipper or a Mela Pet Care or a Teeth. Is it because they have patented products or is it because the people? Uh, white space. White space? I would say, yeah. I mean, so let's, Zen Clipper is actually a brand that I own. Yes. I acquired uh, the first patent pending on that from the inventor. Uh, He had come to us totally haphazardly for a totally different reason and then realized we were in the pet space and says, hey, you know, I've got this product. And he came to us with these prototypes and I said, I really like this. And I said, how would you like to do this partnership? He goes, well, I just don't have the money to take it forward. And then I realized also that he had not filed for international patent protection. And I said, listen, whether we do a deal or not, you should call your patent attorney and let them know you want to look at doing international patent protection because you have 18 months and you're up against the fence by like three weeks. We ended up doing a deal. Um, and the reason I like it is liked it is because there's nothing else out there like it. And when we first presented it at the first show, um, can't think of the veterinarian's name, uh, the fear-free vet. Um, oh, Marty Becker. Marty, yeah. So Marty has that Marty Becker award and Mm-hmm. And his and his quote was, and this is with our prototypes. We hadn't even done production yet. He said, "People are always trying to recreate the mouse trap. Zen Clipper has done it uh, with the nail clipper." So I like that concept. Uh, Mike, the inventor, uh, had another concept. We helped him develop that. That's the Zen Clipper Precise. That's the adjustable um, nail clipper. And the reason it's different is because all the other nail clippers are like scissors. The Zen Clipper and the Zen Clipper Precise have holes that only so much nail can get into or with a Zen Clipper Precise, you can adjust it up or down and you never can get to the quick. So I like that. So that was number one. Um, when you talk about Mela, um, I liked the concept of having a thermometer that you didn't have to do rectally. And mm-hmm. we know that through the ear, you don't get a great result from that one. Um, and going underneath the arm with the data they had, I also knew someone else who did initial investment into Mela, and I thought that would be, and I liked the people that were involved. Um, That to me, and they also had a prior success in a totally different industry. So they were not new to building and exiting 
And that also intrigued me because they had been there, done that. They understand the ups and downs. Not that their prior successes necessarily mean future successes, but they understood what they had to do to, to get it to the next level. Um, so Mello was very intriguing. Um, I am an investor there. I am an advisor there. And I'm on the phone with them uh, regularly, um, phone or Zoom or whatever. And I help them with all different aspects, everything from packaging to distribution contracts to manufacturing, turn them on to my contacts in, in China and other places that were making the product. So that to me was intriguing. Teeth, um, again, you know, I invested in Teeth because it's both a human and a pet product. I really like going in that direction. Oral health and gut biome, as you and I talked about, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people don't understand how important that is for overall health. And um, so the science was there for teeth um, and it was also there for the human product. Um, I take it every day. My family, everyone in my family takes it every day on the, on the human product. When we did have pets, our pets used it every day. Um, and you see a difference. And it was totally different than any other dental product out there because it had no carbohydrates in there. So right. today, most of the dental products out there are dental chews that are made out of carbohydrates. Yep. They are all these products that actually increase because carbohydrates turn into sugar. Sugar, yep. sugar feeds bacteria. Bacteria grows. They secrete acid. More bacteria eats that. They secrete acid. So are you really solving the problem? No. Yeah. Teeth was still is, I think, one of the only products out there that does what it does through a molecular um, process. It's one um, of my favorites. It's one of my yeah. favorite products out there for dental care. Right. Yeah. You know, so every company is a little different. Mutt gut, you know, as mm -hmm. you met Michelle at SuperZoo. Yeah. yeah. You know, again, you're talking about a gut product that is a three-in-one prebiotic, probiotic, postbiotic. And ironically, you know, Cargill just launched their product. Yeah. And the same studies, they, Cargill, a multi-billion dollar company that they are linking to is the same scientist who actually helped Michelle create our product. So yeah. they're linking, they're linking to her research. And this person actually helped build our product and our product, um, is much different. And I think, I think better. Um, the only difference is Cargill has billions of dollars. Um, Mutgut's a startup and or culture club is a startup and doesn't yep. have billions of dollars, but we'll work on it. Well, so Cargill again, invested in animal biome. Who, what's that? Cargill yeah. invested in animal biome. And right. I, I mean, I love animal biome and what they yep. brought to market. And yep. um, when I first, when you told me, go speak with Michelle and I did, um, I was like, wow, this sounds like when CBD first came out, like it's mm -hmm. the do it all product. Yeah. And kind of had to sit back and listen and not judge because it's really easy to judge. Excuse the loud noise in New York City. Sorry. You hear this shit? Oh my yeah. God. Well, it's better than gunshots in Chicago. Yeah. Okay. I'll take the horns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there you we're, go. Where <laughs> <laughs> the fuck was I going? Okay. So. <laughs> So when I was talking to Michelle, it was like, she made it sound like it was this like God sent product. Now, of course I brought a bag home and I've been using it every day myself. Yeah. Yeah. We <laughs> use product. it every day. I, yeah. I, I take it once or twice a day. 
Yeah, for sure. and mix it right into my water or yep. my, my vegetable juice or whatever. I, I love it. And actually, she's going to be on the show. So oh, I'm cool. Really, yeah, she's going to be doing an episode. Looking forward to that. But it comes off as sounding like the end-all be-all. And that's where I think with products like hers or Teeth, um, the independents, the micro-independent retailers, they, they feel like the brand owes them for getting them out there. There's this, there's this reaction that the micro-independents have. And I think that's, tell me what you think, because I think a lot of things, but with micro-independents, when brands go to them, they're so hesitant. And then you have the companies that call themselves independent now, Mud Bay, Hollywood Feed, they're, they're major corporations. They'll bring them in yeah. and they'll train their staff right. and they move through products. Yeah. Very different mindset. And it's really tough for me to watch these micro indies shoot themselves in the foot by not taking initiative and taking chances and knowing what questions to ask. And you what know, it, your thoughts? That, that's interesting. So when I started Zeus and Company, we started with one brand. I mean, literally one brand. And that's all I really cared to carry until circumstances changed. And I said, okay, let's be the company that brings in, does the research, brings in products that no one else is willing to bring in. And that's why we ended up at Zeus and Company bringing in, we were probably the first, second or third distributor of specific products, if not in the country, in the world, we brought 62 of them to market, right? Um, and that was all based on, let's find what no one else is doing. Let's find that white space. Let's educate ourselves. And we were known as if Zeus and company carried the product, you knew that we as a team did our research on the ingredients, the manufacturing, um, the, the back then we didn't really do much sustainability, but we did look at that as well. Um, we did that and retailers just solidified around us and and here's the funny part. You talk about the micro independence or the individual independence. When someone walked into their store who happened to be maybe they were from Chicago and says, hey, I have this new product. You know, would you like it? Oh, yeah, I'd like it. Can you think of a distributor that might talk to me? Go talk to David Levy at Zeus. Mm -hmm. And that's how we found a lot of our products. Um, mm -hmm. People came to us. And I think independents today have a lot more pressure than they did back then, meaning you now have to deal with social media. You have to deal with Chewy. You have to deal with Amazon. And I think unless someone is re really has a good team around them as an independent with a single store, it's difficult for them to manage everything, including what's in their store. Um, when we first moved distribution into California, so I started in Chicago, we opened up in Minnesota, we opened up in California. I remember going out to those California stores trying to push origin and origin to them, which by far was like the number one growing food in the United States at the time. And a retailer told me, you see all those bags over there? And they were stacked like almost to the ceiling, uh, Taz. Why in the world would I want to sell your product that I have to explain, that I would have to explain um, over stuff people walk in and just grab the bag? And I said, well, how much do you make on a bag of that? He goes, I don't know, three, four dollars. He said, well, you can make like 10 to 15 on this. He goes, yeah, but that's work. And I learned something. You have to go in there and explain to them the benefit of having something. Yeah. Um, I think today people are pressured with too many things to do. 
I just, that's my thought. We have the same problem with any of our products. And the other problem with our products is they take explaining. When you have something new, like a mutt gut, like a Zen Clipper, like a teeth, that's all cutting edge, new, new areas takes explaining people don't want people don't want to take the time they want that instant gratification yeah it, it doesn't work that way no. i mean that that's what i do is i do education on yeah. both for consumers and retailers and when you explain how the body works how the animal functions and how this particular product will help specific needs the retailers are like hmm, okay i can use it you have to put it into their perspective yeah so with the company I'm working with and doing education for now, I do this constantly. I do retail education. It, it's such an effort. They it's don't work. Yeah. I'm okay with work. I like working. There's something incredibly satisfying about getting that one store to really get it. Yeah. And they boom with the product. <clears throat> so, but it is, you have to make the effort and it's not a one way. I can't, I can teach you. Right. I can answer all your questions. First, you have to have questions. Right. If you don't ask questions, I don't know where you're, uh, where you're missing the link when it yeah. comes to the brand. And, and, yeah, and a lot of them are, even if you're having a conversation, and maybe you find this, you're having a conversation with them, trying to talk to them, and yeah. I'm about a, about a 15 second pitch, right? And I tell everyone that has a brand, don't give someone a 15 minute dissertation. It has to be a 30 second boom, get that hook into them, let them say, wow, I want to hear more. And once you hear that, then you can have that conversation. Um, you get glassy eyed sometimes with, with some of these retail, they just, yeah. they're already thinking about what they have to do tomorrow. You know, I just, that's. Well, I think a lot of them think about how they're going to get approval and how they're going to make the sale. I don't even, I don't think they go to tomorrow. You're giving them way too much. That uh, may be. I'm going to get a kick in the ass, but yeah. Um, you know, the retailers, they, were, they might kick me in the ass. They're like, oh, they're not even thinking about tomorrow. And that's the problem. Yeah. It, they it, want approval. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the other brand, there's several brands I'm invested in, but the other brand that I really, you know, liked and still like, obviously, and it's, it really had a lot to do with the people and the concept was a pup above, you know, uh, sous vide, oh, yeah. sous vide dog food. Sous -vide. Yeah. And they just, yeah. they just launched their QBs air dried. I really like, um, you know, um, the people involved with that company, the, the founders and the board, um, okay. really, and then, you know, kind of full circle here. I like working with companies that listen. I don't always have to be right. You and I talked about this. I don't need to be right. If I don't have a hundred percent knowledge on something, you won't even hear me speak. I don't, I won't talk about social media. <laughs> I know it has to be done, but I don't know how to do it. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at. What, is there something out there? What, I mean, future of pet innovation, you're in innovations, right? Um, what's out there? What do you see as, as the future? I'm talking, I, I'm talking a year, not even that far, David. Yeah, no, I, I think we're going to see more and more tech. Um, it has been finally coming. I mean, the, the pet space, it's been difficult. There isn't a single platform. You know, you think about like <clears throat> IBM, Microsoft. Uh, Apple, it's a platform and everything else sits on top of it. Um, we don't have that in the pet space. A lot of it sits independently, whether it's Bluetooth enabled, Wi-Fi enabled. I think someone at some point is going to come around and say, hey, why can't we have a platform that integrates everything? And it may be one of, you know, maybe one of the big guys. It may be Amazon. It may be Chewy. It may be, 
you know, some of these guys that have substantial amount of cash, uh, as well as access to a lot of different tech, um, they may be the ones who do it or someone else who's a tech savvy person. Um, I've also seen a lot of tech fail over the last uh, 10, 15, uh, 10 years. I've seen so many things come in. They do a raise on crowdfunding of some sort. They raise a ton of money and they can't deliver or they're there and then they're gone. Um, kind of a sad situation. So I see tech continuing, but I think the oral and the gut biome is going to is really going to kick in hard. And I'm seeing a lot of that um, happening. I'm seeing a lot of that happening. Okay. I don't see much else. Everything else to me, I mean, even at SuperZoo walking around, it was a lot of me too, right? It's a yeah, orange a leash, a green leash. Yeah. yeah. I, didn't, I didn't see a ton of innovation. I mean, you want to use that word, but I did not see a lot of it. Okay, this one's self-serving because I just came out with a line of uh, line of treats with Cindy from Scout and Zoe, and these are cat treats. I think the cat segment is really weak. Always has been. Yeah. And that when I had a retail store, it was fifty four percent of my business, and I had eighteen hundred square feet in New York City, and cats sold out. Wow. Okay. Because we because there was communication. My I trained every staff member for three months to know how to talk about everything. So if I wasn't there, we had consistent communication throughout. Yeah, that's work. the key. You do it and then you can step away and take a vacation. Correct. But you got to work up front. So on the cat side, I came out with a line of treats, which is bugs, you know, black soldier fly. Yeah. Tested it with over a hundred cats. Great. Is that something that's innovative? I mean, it's been around the industry for a while. How come it's not catching on? I think the bug insect world, you have to get the buy-in from the consumer. There's that ick factor. Um, it just, I mean, it just is, right? I think people who live the lifestyle of sustainability, of, um, of, um, you know, maybe not eating meat or, or occasionally eating meat, whatever that may be, may lean towards the, the bug world. I still see it as a little bit of a educate, again, back to education, right? Mm -hmm. you know, cutting edge. A lot of companies are making a ton of money on the bugs for birds, for yeah. chickens. But when you start talking about animals that are in your house, dogs and cats, it sounds to me as if they shy away. Um, they just, they just do, right? Um, yeah. I, well, that's actually why I, I did the whole black soldier fly larvae itself. I wanted it visible because I thought that it factor needed to have visibility. If you didn't see that you were feeding your pet oh, this larvae, this little yeah. worm thing. Right. Um, they're dry. I'm they're dry. I'm assuming they're not moving. Yeah, they're dry. No. All right. That would really freak people out. <laughs> it was, it's actually interesting. One of my cats is toothless and he can't break it down when he picks it up. So it gets really moist. And then when he drops it out of his mouth, it looks like it could come to life. Oh, wow. So we're, we're actually going to do a toothless version, Cindy and I. Make a powder. <laughs> yeah, I have no choice for the cats that can't, that can't break. I mean, they can break it down, but it slips right. on their gums. And it was hysterical to watch this. So I had a couple other toothless cats tested out and they all, it all slipped out all gross. And we should, we should do a cross promotion. We should do Zen clippers 
and your 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 treats and some sort of promo. Well, let's do it. I can yeah, clip I mean, cat snails left and right. I, I love clipping cat snails. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you take one of the Zen clippers, like a size two or size three Zen clipper, mm -hmm. and and we can we could do a joint promo to our to our customers. Would love it. Okay. Definitely. Let's do it. Okay. I'm in. Done. Yeah. I'll yeah. give the I'll give the larvae as a treat after every meal. There you go. You can do a video. You can post it. I'll be happy to. Awesome. Yeah. One of my cats might kill me, but hey. I'll hey, that's okay. But at least you got my product out there and your product out there. You know, got to take some bruises for the team. Um, yeah, I'm really good. If I showed you my arms, yeah, you'd see the bruisers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One more question and then I will stop bothering you. I know, I know you're doing me a huge favor. Are there? No, no, no. This is fun. I'll do this anytime. I told you. This is fun. Then you're mine. Um, I, are there any similarities or blind spots? for the successful entrepreneur that you've seen within the pet segment? It goes back to know what you're good at, know what you know, know what you don't know, admit that you need help, um, be transparent, be honest, be humble. That's where I see the successes and failures. Um, but really, I think the most important one is admit when you just don't know. It's okay not to know. It really is. Yeah. Because if we all knew everything, we wouldn't be in the pet space. I guarantee it. I would not be in the pet space. I would, I'd be in something else if I knew everything and <laughs> I don't know everything. Um, admit what you don't know and, and listen to those that know. I think that's where I have found the failures and successes. And, um, and I have to be careful what I say here, but um, the biggest failures are the, in my opinion and, and experience, are where the entrepreneur just thinks they know it all. They just, I, that has always been the biggest thing. Um, I think the other important part is surround yourself with good advisors, do your due diligence on investors, advisors, board members. If you end up creating a board and they are not going to add value, you need to get rid of them. Um, same thing with advisors. If they're not adding value. If they're not there when you need things, um, those are the companies I see failing. If it's a small company, a few people, got to make sure everyone's carrying their weight, right? Not everyone's going to be good at sales. Not everyone's going to be good at marketing. Find where people are good and use them there and get out of their way. I think it was, was it Steve Jobs or one of those multi-billionaire guys who said, hire the best and get out of the way. And mm -hmm. I would say the same thing with entrepreneurs. Find the best advisors, find the best board members that add value to what you're doing. Listen to them because you brought them in after you've done your due diligence on them and get and don't, don't think you know it all. That's, that's got to be the number one thing. That's got to be. Okay. You're shaking your you're shaking your head there. Are you agreeing well, or not agreeing? No, I so agree, but that's common sense. It's common not, sense. Uh, hello, not when you have an ego. Oh, going back to the very first question. With Sorry. Ego. Yeah. Yeah. If your ego's in the way because you came up with a it could be the the best product in the world, the best idea. And if you suck but, as a person. Yeah. Right. You you suck you as a person brain. or 
or because you came up with this idea or concept or product that you're going to be able to take it to the end by yourself. Sometimes you can, you you can, there's no question. Other times you need help. Other times you need help. You know what you know, and you really need to admit to yourself and look in the mirror what what you don't know. Is it, is it as you make it seem like it's so easy for, I mean, 15 years ago when I, you know, was first in the pet industry, I thought I was really shy and it was more than that, almost 20 years ago, I was really shy and uncomfortable for asking and with asking for help. But now I couldn't care less. I got pick up the phone, talk to everybody and their mother. But um, when you're first starting out, when you're launching a brand, when you're trying to come to market with it, how do you find the David Levies? How do you find the mentors? It's a tough place to go, you know? Um, big balls, but yeah. I think, I think, again, you have to do your due diligence. Go digging around. Who has successes under their belt? Where are their successes? What have they done? Um, you know, I, I was, uh, again, like I said earlier, I'm, people reach out to me through LinkedIn or other places. Hey, I'd like to talk to you about, I've got this idea. And I'll talk to everybody. It may not be for me. I may not be able to help them, but maybe I can direct them to somebody else who can help them. Maybe it's, it's more in their arena. And there's one company that I could think of right now. They've won a ton of awards. They've had a publicly traded company invest in them. And he came to me and says, hey, man, you were right. That publicly traded company didn't do shit for me on distribution. They sucked. Who else can I go to? And I said, try this company. And he called me back a month later. He goes, they're in. Love you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I think you just have to do, again, due diligence. Who's out there really involved? Who understands the industry? Who has been in different places? You know, one of the things that I'm, um, I think I'm unique in a lot of ways is I came into the pet space because I just had business knowledge with different experiences, right? Um, I started my own distribution company and we built a lot of brands. Um, So I understand distribution. I understand branding because when those brands came to me, they didn't have brands. They had a concept, they had an idea, they had a product in a bag. Um, We're, I'm an inventor. We're, we do our own manufacturing. So I have manufacturing experience. I'm an investor. I'm an advisor. I sit on boards. I'm pretty full rounded. I've done it. Um, have I made mistakes? Absolutely. Do I know everything? Absolutely not. Um, and I, I'm okay admitting it. I don't have a problem with it. And I think the sooner people learn that, the sooner they'll be better off and they'll be more successful quicker. Amazing. But do, do you just dig around? I mean, I get people from, geez, I, I've had a, <laughs> I've had people from all over the world contact me, and and I can't say yes to all of them. So you can't. No, I can't. <laughs> well, you're I'm, investing your own money. You have to. I'm, be I'm supposed positive. to be retired. <laughs> no. Get well, you know what I mean. No, I, I, I don't know what you mean. Don't go there. Oh. Yeah, this industry can't lose a David Levy. <laughs> uh, but no, it's it's been it's been a great industry. I met a lot of great people. You being one of them, you know, it's a recent recent relationship. But uh, met a lot of great people, and yeah. honestly, probably less than one handful of crappy people. And I mean, truly crappy people. There are people who you okay, you know what? They're goofballs or they're idiots, or I don't want to hang out with them. But they're not vicious, brutal people, and. So I'd have to say it's a, you know, overall, it's a, it's a really, it's been a really good industry. That's nice to hear. 
I don't hear that from everybody. I, I get all different perspectives and a lot of negatives. So I agree with you. I believe it's a really wonderful industry. Just certain things need focus. But those um, negative, but those negativities, is that because people had assumptions on something and they didn't? I mean, so you got to take, you know, it's got it, it's got to be again, they have to be honest with themselves. Did a deal go bad? Listen, I've had a I've had a bad deal, maybe two bad deals in the pet space. It is what it is. I don't blame the industry. It just sometimes it's the bad people. It's just, you know, it is what it is there. Um, but sometimes people's expectations um, get the oh best. Oh, my God. Them. Yeah. Expectations are actually, I think, killer. Well, everything in relationships, uh, raising children, um, name it. Anytime we have an expectation and I'm, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm a human being. I've had expectations and been let down. What I have learned is I have zero expectations of people. Um, I'll leave you with this. I think if you just think people are people, some people are going to do what's right. Other people are going to do what's wrong. And you don't put that expectation that they're always going to do it right. When you're not let down as much, that's the way it is.